Welcome everybody. Um, continuing our, uh, our slow journey through uh, Romans chapter eight, and, uh, um, and and also kind of continuing our our prayers through the uh, the Psalms of Ascent, um, <clears throat> or as they're also known, the, the Pilgrim Psalms. And uh, um, I've been doing a little bit of research about about these and. Uh, just kind of the idea behind them, I, I think, is important for us. That we are people who we have a uh, we have a heavenly home where we get to be in God's presence, but we ain't there yet, and so we continue on our journey. And I think that these psalms speak to that kind of uh, I don't know if it's the right word to say, like an ethic of life, or, or you know, but but a way that we look at our lives. So, Psalm one twenty five is the psalm for this morning. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hand to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. So um, we are on Romans uh, 28 and tw or Romans 8, 24 and 25. Um, would somebody care to read those two verses and then we'll dive into them. I'll do that. Thank you, Iftikhar. Uh, for in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. All right. So I went back and I translated this, and uh, um, this is this is what I come up with. You know, and you translation—it's one of those tricky things. You know, translators make decisions based on what they're seeing in the text, the context, and you know other things. I, I'm not disagreeing necessarily with you know the the scholars who put the ESV together. Um, sometimes I do. Uh, but uh, um, I, I think sometimes what they try to do is they try to infer some things that aren't necessarily uh, in the original, uh, which, is, which is a good translation skill. You know, it helps to tie things together. But I think sometimes it also infers the wrong thing or anyhow. Uh, so when I translated it, I, I have uh, for in hope, but it could also be translated to hope, which I thought was interesting. Um, uh, but uh, for in hope, we were saved. But hope that has been seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for that which we are not seeing, we eagerly await it with steadfast endurance. So hope. Uh, in this context, hope is a noun. Sometimes it's used as a, a verb, right? Um, I hope that this will take place, right? Um, but here we're, we're using it as a noun, at least to start out with. And uh, when we think about what is hope, um, hope can be a feeling. It, it could be an object. It can be uh, grounds uh, for something. Uh, so if it's a feeling, uh, Hope could be the general sense uh, that, that some desire will be fulfilled. Uh, if it's the object, uh, it's, you know, your hope is uh, someone or something uh, on which your expectations are centered. Uh, 
Can you yeah. tell me what the, what's the difference between hope and wish? Uh, I think they probably can be the same thing, but I, I think that hope is something that uh, uh, when it becomes the way that we use the word hope today, uh, you know, I think that it, it could be the same thing. You know, so this general sense that some desire will be fulfilled, that's, that's kind of like, you know, I wish that this would happen. You know, so there is that, that, that similar sense. But I think that in terms of the Christian life, when we talk about hope, uh, it's not just kind of this general feeling that we kind of desire or wish or hope that something good will happen. Um, it's it's a, uh, a sense of a uh, good future or, or a blessing that is rooted in Christ. More internal? Not necessarily. Than wish? Not necessarily. I, I think it's more solid. Okay, and that's big, what, I, what I mean. It, it, it's, it's, it's related to what God has done for us. You know, whereas a wish could be just kind of any desire of the heart. You know, so when we, when we talk about Christian hope, this is very much connected to Jesus' death and resurrection being delivered to us. So we have hope on the grounds of Jesus dying and rising for us. And we wouldn't say we wish. Right. You know, we, we I mean... Could we rightly say, I wish Jesus would come back? Sure. I think that, that, I think that that's a, you know, but, but again, this is a little bit of semantics because there's, there's a lot of crossover in terms of what those words mean. But the moment that you connect it to who Jesus is, <clears throat> you know, then, you know, it, it kind of varies. In fact, in some ways, I wish uh, can feel more solid than I hope in the way that we use it today. You know, I hope the Guardians will win. They may or may not, you know, or the Browns, yeah. Sharon. But you say, my wish is in the Lord. You can say, my hope is in the Lord. Right. But I don't really think you could say, my wish is in the Lord. Right. So there's something substantive yes. about hope. That is not necessarily tied tied to the individual pleasure. Right. It's grounded. It's grounded in an eternal truth. Yes. My wishes are not necessarily grounded in an eternal truth. Yeah, and I would and I would even maybe take it another step and not you know it's grounded not just in an eternal truth but in an eternal God. Yes. Who has revealed his love right. and his grace. God is the source of truth. So yes. if you look at what is God the source of, God wants to draw us to. Yeah. And that is where our hope is. So if we say our hope is in the Lord, why is our hope in the Lord? Because God is eternal, God is sovereign, but God gives us truth and love. And I, I was just thinking about it because I don't, I don't think you could say my wish is in the Lord. Right, I would agree with that, you know, and and, uh, and and yeah, God is sovereign and He is eternal, but those things are not always necessarily comforting and don't always necessarily draw us. Right. You know, so that, so it's weird because 
hope is not necessarily something that my heart would wish for. Yeah. Because I could be drawn to so many things in the world that are good, but are very temporal. Yep. And I think that's where hope is different than, because um, I, I think about Corinthians, and now abide these three, right? Yep. It doesn't, we don't say our wishes abide because they're fleeting. But hope is something eternal. It, it's, yes. It emanates eternity. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is rooted in this revelation of God's love that's and it. grace in Christ. Right. So that, that idea that uh, hope is something that's grounded is important. You know, it's the, there's a reason behind it. There's a, a truth, a reality um, behind hope. Um, and so, you know, it's the reason one feels hopeful about the future. Um, you know, as it says in First Thessalonians chapter 2, um, for what is our hope our, or joy or crown or boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? You know, he's basically saying, you know, look, look at what God has done among you, you know, and how can I not be hopeful about the future, you know, and I see what he's doing among you. And, and that uh, faith is the substance of things unseen, the evidence of yeah. things hoped for. Yeah. Which is so... Hebrews. It's big. It's really, it takes you out. Yeah. Years to unpack that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, and you can connect that to faith, too. Yeah. You know, so what's the difference between faith and hope? Right. You know, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of crossover with these things. And uh, um, I, I, know that, I know that people like to, you know, this is the exact thing. And sometimes we can do that, but not always. You know, and, you know especially when you're dealing with, you know, these huge... Um, issues of what God is doing in our lives and, and, and how he's bringing salvation to the world and, and all of these things, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't always fit in a nice, you know, mailbox. But faith has, um, faith, faith has a historical dimension to it. You know, because I, I, I think of the Hebrews chapter 11, faith reminds us of the past, what, we, what God has done. And hope, I think, is so future-oriented. Yeah, um, and yet, you know, it, when, we, when we talk about hoping in the Lord, you know, that's also rooted in, in what, what he has been. done. You know, so, yeah, it's, you know, they are their own thing in their own way, but... They're interconnected. It, it's inter yeah, that's a good way to put it. They're interconnected. You really can't just, if you have faith, you, you, you have hope. And, it, you know, and if you have faith and hope, um, you have love because you've experienced God's love. You know, and, you know, and you know, if you have faith, hope, and love, you, you know you also have forgiveness, and you have joy, and you have peace, and all of these things. 
can't really separate it out. I mean, you can in some ways. But in some ways. Yeah. So when you look at this, uh, do you think that this is talking about a feeling, an object, or a grounds? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. For in yes. hope we were saved. But hope that has not been, yeah, you know, as you go through it, I think you're hitting uh, kind of like Bob's uh, children's message today with the three phases of water. You know, we got kind of three phases of, of hope here, and, and they're all being applied in our lives. But in a lot of ways, that first one, you know, in hope we were saved, I, I think that connects back to verses 20 and 21 where Paul talks about in hope that the creation uh, will, will be set free from bondage. You know, that it was in hope that the, uh, the creation was subjected, and it's in hope that it's going to be set free. You know, and that's on the basis of what God has done and continues to do in and, and for us. So, excuse me, if in this, because Paul says it, if in this life only we have hope, we are all That's 1 Corinthians 15. Yeah, okay, because I was thinking about the future orientation of this. Yeah, yeah, that's that's talking specifically about the resurrection. Yeah, if in this life only. So I was just thinking about hope, is et that hope is eternal. That Yeah. So what kind of things do people hope in? Catch that word in, not hope for. Yeah. But hope in today. Hope in maybe a future, or like uh, what's gonna uh, how how the resurrection would, would uh, I mean would like to be, like when we will be uh, resurrected from uh, from death and when we'll be at heaven. Okay. How that how that would like to be. And so when we're looking ahead to heaven, I, I would say what we're hoping in is Jesus. And, and his promises, right? Yes. But when we look at the world in general today, what, what kind of things do people place their hope in that the future will be good? The government. Stock market. <laughs> government, stock market. Ukraine. Yeah. What's that? Ukraine. They survived. Okay. The government that's, that's something that they hope for, right? Yeah. But what, what's going to bring that about? That's what you might hope in. Does that, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people hope it might, you know, that mm -hmm. somebody is going to be able to... Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Power. Power. Yeah. yeah. Miracles. People do hope in miracles, I think, about okay. uh, in the medical setting. They're, they hope in as well as hope for. Okay. So hope in the doctors. Okay. Um, I hope that my sister and her family find God. Yes. Okay. And so as you hope for that, that's hope for. Yeah, as you hope for that, what are you hoping in? It's almost like a miracle that would. Yeah. Okay. They are challenged, you would think, with all the challenges that they've been in. Yeah. that they would revert back to God, but they never do. And, that, and, that's, and that's a good way to put it. You know, you're, you're hoping you know, in a miracle and, and the one who performs miracles. So um, 
one of the things for me, and that's on that same line, is my son, who was baptized and raised in the church, and my hope is in the promise of his baptism. There okay. you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, that, and that's yeah. like, great, Lord, I, I did it. I did what I was supposed to do. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that, that song in Christ, <coughs> my hope is found. I just mm -hmm. think about those lyrics. Yep. It's almost like Bev Bubness. The biggest gift that was given to Bev was that her husband found religion and God and, and faith and love. And, and that's just a perfect gift before somebody passes away to give to their wife, who's always been hoping for that. Yeah. You know, so when you were talking about you know, you know, hoping that your family you know, comes to faith, um, you know, it made me think of uh, Saint Monica, uh, Saint Augustine's mom. Um, uh, so I, I don't know if, if you're all familiar with Saint Augustine or not. Uh, very important leader in the church. A lot of a lot of the theology that we continue to use today, he didn't come up with it, but he he was one of the first ones to write it down, and he was 400s, I think. You know, so, you know, you're coming out of persecution, but you're still, you know, dealing with uh, a, a lot of strangeness in, in the church, you know, as you go from being kind of a, uh, an illegal movement to becoming a, an established organization and, you know, a very important leader in, in this process. But when he was young, uh, to use the, uh, um, the vernacular, he was hell on wheels. <laughs> wild man, really Very, wild, like promiscuous, all this kind of stuff. And, yep. And he was a he was a philosopher, secular philosopher. Yep. So, One of my favorite quotes from him, uh, you know, as he's coming out of his, his secular phase into you know obedience and Christian faith, he, he said, "I would pray, you know, make me chaste, but not yet." <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of desire. Yeah, and and as a, a result of that, this is funny because and interesting because uh, talking about him because his wish or desires were in his conversion were totally redirected. Yeah, they, and it was from the earthly desires. He was a man of total pleasure seeking. Yep. and knowledge seeking in a secular way to um, a person who desired only wished. Hoped in God. Yeah. His desires shifted. So he, he, his mom, Monica, was a Christian, and, and um, Augustine was baptized as, as a child and, you know, raised in the faith, and then he walked away from it. And for years and years and years, she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, you know, just kind of entrusting her son into God's hands and, you know, and hoping in the one who changes hearts. You know, and uh, you know, I, I think that that is a, that's where the saints are really good for us to look at those models, you know, of that trust and that faith and, and godly living. What you just said was so important, hoping in the one who changes hearts. Yeah. I think that's like, to me, the simplest way of looking at salvation is hoping in the one who changes hearts. Yeah. Yep. So, do people have an abundance or a lack of hope these days? What do you think? Lack of hope. I think it's challenging to yeah. be hopeful. Yes. Yeah. I think our world is 
kind of messed up. Yeah. Sometimes that hope changes into wishes yes. at, at this point. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I love what Kathy said in the beginning with this wish thing because, you know, Make-A-Wish Foundation, I think about how wish wishes, I wish I may, wish I might, Disney. Yeah. How Disney, if you can dream it, you can be it. And it, it, it's, a, it's a very different uh, <coughs> materialistically driven. Yep. So I, I don't think we're hopeful people, do you? Um, I'm going to give Jill a chance. I, I, I was thinking that if your hope is in God, yes, you have a certain way to, to root yourself in eternity and God's love, and you recognize the craziness of this world is as crazy and has always been crazy yes. since Adam and Eve. And it's, it's, it, we may experience stuff for the first time, but it's not the first time it's happened. Amen. And, and that sort of sense that if you hope in God, your hope is a very different thing. You're not, you hope for peace, but it's a different kind of peace. And you hope for justice, and it's a different kind of justice. You may still work for those things here, but it's not dependent on us. Yeah, but I do think culturally that we are in a period where we're struggling with hope, um, you know. And uh, I just saw a, a uh, an article about um, mental health with pastors. You know, the the number of guys who gals to drop out of the ministry by the time they're forty five years old, um, and um, you know, depression and all of these other things, and and that's just a microcosm, you know, of. Uh, you know, a much larger picture, I think, of what's going on in, in society. And uh, um, on the Lutheran Hour this morning, because, you know, I like to pitch the Lutheran Hour. Um, <laughs> I do. Uh, they're, they're doing this throwback thing. And um, if you remember uh, Dr. Oswald Hoffman, they're, they're uh, all sermons by him across the uh, um, month of August. And uh, going back to 1968. Wow. Because that was a time of turmoil. Yes, in our country, and uh, you know, and part of what he was was talking about is just, you know, this things are changing in the world, and where where do we find our our hope? And uh, they they do this little uh, kind of debrief afterwards. And uh, um, Michael Ziegler, the uh, the Lutheran Hour speaker, is actually talking with one of my professors. Um, in fact, the one I worked with on my doctorate, David Schmidt, and uh, you know, and they were talking about, you know, how when you go through times of change and when you know society is not necessarily standing on anything solid at, at a particular time, you know, that, that that can raise a lot of fear and anxiety and and all of those things. And I mean, I'm like. That's 1968. Other than some of the examples that he used, um, I mean, a lot of it, uh, a lot of those sermons, they're dated by, you know, like I said, the examples and, you know, and some of the, uh, the way he talks about men and women and, you know, and things like that. Uh, but uh, um, dead on yeah, in terms you know, of the, the, like, the theology. The that happen, I mean, you think about what was really going on. It was the riots. Yeah. Yeah. The race riots. It was... Yeah. Vietnam War drugs were starting to come out in a more prevalent type of a way. Yeah. So, 
what Paul is doing here, I think, is a little bit of reasoning and a little bit of rhetoric. Remember, he speaks these letters. Somebody else is writing them down. Um, and he's, he's arguing his point. And, uh, and at this point, I would share a little bit of wisdom from a man named Philip Allman, which is my father-in-law. Um, and uh, I remember many, many times, um, you know, he, he was really big on kind of that, that um, personal discipline. And he would talk about the marshmallow experiment. The marshmallow experiment was done in 1972 at Stanford University. And basically the idea is you have a, a I think it was a child, who, who would sit there and they would put a marshmallow in front of them. And they would say, um, you can have that marshmallow now, but if you wait a little while, you can have two. And so it's, it's an experiment in uh, uh, delaying immediate gratification, you know, for a greater future reward. And, and I think that when we think about hope, that hope is something that focuses us toward the future rather than the immediate. Yes. You know, and, and so, you know, if, if we're in a time where there's kind of some confusion and, um, you know, and, and maybe not a lot of hope for the future, that would maybe indicate that some of where we're focused is on some immediate gratification. And, uh, and so the question that came to my mind was, uh, what immediate gratifications might God call us to delay for the sake of receiving greater future reward? None of it. He just wants you to have everything right now. Right? That's that's what some preachers will tell you. You deserve it. Prosperity gospel. Yep. Yeah. If you, you act a certain way, you can have everything you want. Well, one way, I, I think, is very material. Okay. You know, I think about stewardship. Okay. Okay. Just... The, the three <coughs> time, treasure, and talent that people say. Okay, so, so using the using that time, treasure, and talent, you just say, well, sometimes I don't use my treasure just for myself. I might not only give it and give it to the to the church, but I also might invest my time, treasure, and talent for a long term rather than a short-term benefit. Yeah. So I think that's, a, you know, looking at the national debt, looking at where most people are financially. Yep. And what Jesus, what Jesus said about um, if you can't be responsible for mammon, then how are you going to be responsible for the eternal treasures? Mm -hmm. I think that's a big one okay. in our country. So there might be things, you know, that kind of financially. How about this? Um, you're offended by somebody. The the immediate gratification. What do you want? Revenge. Revenge. I want to put that person in my in their place. Tell them off. 
Or say it, something nasty about them. Yeah. Is there a potential delayed gratification, trusting in the Lord in that situation and putting a little bit of space there? It doesn't mean that you won't necessarily tell them, you know, but it's going to be different because at that point, hopefully, it's something that's going to lead to forgiveness and reconciliation. That's a, that's a different kind of gratification, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are all kinds of things that we could look at and say, you know, because of my life and because of my life in Christ, uh, I can hold on to the things of this world loosely, whether it's uh, power or whether it, you know, it is wealth, uh, you know, all, all of these things. You know, and so that I, I live in a way that is oriented toward what God has done for me and what he has promised to me, that hope that I have, that I am reconciled to God and that there is a better end than what uh, you know, my heart would necessarily come up with. Because you know, remember what it says, uh, uh, I think it's in Jeremiah 17, that the heart is wicked above all things and desires are deceptive and yeah so that idea of uh, immediate gratification uh, a lot of times the, the the thing that we want to gratify immediately is not rooted in this hope that we have in Christ and in the future then in a way what you're saying I'm just trying to think about this in a practical way I get in a fight with my husband <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm home and I'm going to just really tell him off, right? Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> that, that, that happens sometimes. So, if hope, if my hope is in God, then, then my reason and my desire should be disciplined. I'm thinking about just the spiritual discipline of self-control. Okay. Where does that come from? You know, you say the fruit of the Spirit is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So how how is fruit of the spirit tied into hope okay that's because that's where I'm, I'm feeling where you're going because if my life is my hope is in God and that is guiding my life like a plumb line mm-hmm. then the fruit of the spirit will somehow be cultivated yeah and that in and of itself will help me bridle my tongue yeah knowing yeah that what is really important should be guiding me and not my immediate feeling and my my immediate desire to either get even or right. defend myself, so to speak. There's so, a difference between reacting and responding. That's that's a beautiful way to look at it because I I think where does hope how does hope help you differentiate that? Yeah. You know that that, that hope says um, I want to respond in a way that prepares me for, that reconciles me with the future in Christ. And this is not going to happen. It's like, if I'm in the flesh. So right. that, I guess what takes me back in the flesh, because that's what where Paul is in this letter to the Romans. Like, in the flesh, I can do all kinds of things that are going to um, keep me from seeing the end of my hope. Right. Is that... Yeah, you know, and you know, so you, and in your situation where um, you know you're arguing with with your spouse, um, is it 
possible that your spouse has wronged you. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and so what's the, you know, what, what is the, 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 the way to handle that? Well, you know, you can go in and, you know, boom, you know, and just smack them down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then, okay, let's bring this out to a bigger picture. Jesus talks about do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, we have the, uh, um, you know, we are reconciled to one another in Christ. That Christ dies for the sins of all people. Um, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who <laughs> sin against us. You know, and all of those things, when you li you're living in the hope of, of faith in Christ and his salvation, <clears throat> they start to play in to how are you going to practically respond to that person. And the delayed gratification, in a lot of ways, is in a sense putting to death the desires of the flesh. You know, so Which is the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at least in my household, it is. It, it's really easy to pop off at the mouth, um, <laughs> or, or, or worse. You know, it, you know, this is just one example of something that permeates our, our lives. Um, you know, because I think that if we are talking about immediate gratification in this way, I think that that can become a picture of uh, uh, of, of sin. You know that our sin leading us and guiding us, and I think that um, talking about sin in that way, it, it's it's a little bit different than the way we usually talk about about sin. You know, uh, when we talk about sin, we talk about wickedness, and and there's often like this wicked intent that's that's connected to that, and sometimes that's that's very much there, you know. But a lot of times it's just the brokenness that we all live in. You know, it's, it's that, that thing that's always in our own hearts and, and pulling us down, pulling us back. Um, you know, so I, I think that when we, we look at this um, desire for this immediate gratification as something that uh, it's a normal part of the, the human experience, I think that that can help us to not freak out. And I think that that not freaking out Delaying our own response can allow us, you know, to speak the truth to the situation or to the sin, call sin sin. But then, it's it's not with this this anger and judgment, but with a desire to bring forgiveness and and healing and salvation. So I think that that can be very helpful for that. I also think it can cut the other way, that it becomes normalized, and it's just, you know, eh, it's everybody, it doesn't matter. And, uh, and that's problematic, too. That, but uh, I like this idea of, um, you know, my hope is in Christ and in the future, and so when I find myself in this moment, whether it's a moment of desiring a pleasure, or justice, or revenge, um, those two are tied together, but they're not exactly the same thing. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever it is that my heart is bringing forward, um, to, to have a clear-eyed view that says um, my desires are not always uh, in line with the hope that I have for the future is an important thing. You know, and, you know, the ultimate reason for delaying that 
sinful gratification in, in the passages, you know, that we, we have a real hope that is in, in Jesus, right? You know, who hopes for what, you know, he already has, you know, or, or hopes for what he sees. You know, we're, we're eagerly awaiting something from God. And when we do that, we can do that with uh, patience. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think that idea of patience is hugely important, even maybe even especially today. Oh, yes. You know, um, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. My dad used to like to say, yes. patience is a virtue and my virtues are few. <laughs> no, they're few. No. You know, um, you know, when you say that, it makes me think there's a wonderful essay by um, a Catholic theologian that's now gone um, named Henry Nouwen, hmm. and he wrote this beautiful essay on the theology of waiting, and it was around Advent, but but I was thinking in relationship to that, that we are an impatient society as a whole. Yeah. So waiting has a negative connotation, oftentimes, instead of a positive yeah. connotation. And oftentimes, I'm just like confessing in my own life, if I react rather than take the time to respond, then that deprives me of what waiting could yeah. really promise me, which is a time to cool down, deliberate, allow intervening things to give the situation perspective. And uh, I just find our society oftentimes way too combustible because we're driven to be first, first in line, first, first, first that, not to wait to grab the apple, and, you know, it, there's something about that waiting and hope that's related. Yeah. You know, I think of Isaiah 40. Those who, who... wait, huh? Yeah. Wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Yes. Mount up on wings like eagles. Like eagles. You know. that what that does to yeah. renew waiting. But, you know, that is not part of our, our psyche. It's not part of what we value as a society. Um, in fact, I mean, and this is nothing new. Um, there's a series of commercials of Matt Damon um, using an old quote, fortune favors the bold. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, this idea that, you know, we're going to be bold and we're going to take hold of, of our future and we're going to, you know. Or Nike, just do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that those things are very much part of the human condition. Uh and, and there can be good in that, but what about waiting for the Lord? I think of the Exodus. You know, um, you got the plagues, and, and through that whole time, you know, they're waiting to be saved. The Passover itself, put the blood on the door. Here's this meal that you're going to eat. You know, your time is short now, but you're waiting. You're not doing anything. How long did we wait for Christ? Right. You know, and so the uh, the, the Greek word um, for that's translated patience by the the um, ESV, uh, it, it can also, and I think more correctly, be translated steadfast endurance. Mm. And and I think that that is is it's a better picture, a word picture. You know, because you can be patient for a little while and say, okay, all right. 
But steadfast endurance has a long feeling to it, doesn't it? You're not going to give up. And, and you don't expect this to change soon. It's just... Um, uh, Eugene Peterson uh, wrote a book called a, a, long Obedient, a Long Obedience in One Direction. Has nothing to do with the band One Direction. It was before that. Okay. Do you know... Okay. That's fair. I wouldn't, you know, I like to call them one dimension because they're very one dimension. <laughs> that and it riles up my kids when I say things like that. No, they're a pretty talented group of guys, really. But uh, um, so, you know, we have this hope and it allows us to have uh, steadfast endurance as, as we wait on the Lord. Um, and again, that. <coughs> That can be an excuse too to not do anything, you know. Yes. But at the, I think that sometimes we overprioritize action at the expense of, you know, patience and trust. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, we're we're gonna um, jump into uh, Romans eight twenty six through twenty nine next, and uh, I'll just get us started a little bit here, and then we're gonna wrap up. Um, the passage in the English Standard Version says, um, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Um, where I'd like to pick up next time is, uh, um, you know, my translation there says, and likewise, the Spirit also helps us with our weakness. Uh, for what we should pray for, as is needful, we do not know. But the Spirit himself intercedes, or he pleads, in wordless groaning. So it starts out with this idea, likewise. There's a comparison going on here. Likewise to what? And that's what we'll talk about starting out next week. So let's close with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that we could be here today and we pray that you would bless us. Uh, we thank you for the gifts that you have given to us, especially uh, the gift of the word that gives us hope the, the word made flesh jesus who died and rose for us and we have hope in him and we pray lord that that hope would permeate into all kinds of aspects of our lives leading us into patience and patient endurance we pray these things in jesus name amen, amen. thanks everybody